This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. This week, Mark and I are returning to spiritual disciplines and are talking about fasting. Before we get to that, however, we always like to start our podcast with a brief discussion about the catechism question from this Sunday's liturgy. This week, we are going over the New City Catechism question 31. What do we believe by true faith? And the answer, everything taught to us in the gospel. The Apostles' Creed expresses what we believe in these words. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So this question goes over the Apostles' Creed. Basically, it's the answer to what we believe by true faith is a creedal confession. (laughs) It's really funny because the way that it starts, this one sentence is just, what do we believe by true faith? Everything taught to us in the gospel. That's it. Everything that's in there, that's what it is. But then, like you said, it, it does say, well... This Apostles' Creed kind of encapsulates this this gospel, yeah, and it presents it to you so that it's exactly well. That's that's really the benefit of having creeds mm-hmm. and catechisms is because these are very convenient ways to distill what the gospel is about as presented in the Bible, and the Bible can seem like it takes a lot of hairy turns and there it, it seems like there's a lot of information there lots of genres mm-hmm. you know lots of passages where you might arch your eyebrows a little bit a lot of like wondering how does this all fit together and it's nice to have a nice short summary of like these are really the fundamentals this is really what it boils down to if we can if we can affirm these basic points, then at, we know that at least we're in on the right track. We're mm-hmm. in the same ballpark, right? Right. And so the Apostles' Creed is worth memorizing. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. say, you know, instead of going through the Apostles' Creed point by point, we could take hours doing that. Mm-hmm. But I would just make one big major point, which is it's worth memorizing the Apostles' Creed. Uh, when you go through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you end up getting a pretty good sense of the Ten Commandments and end up memorizing the Ten Commandments. You get mm-hmm. a pretty good sense of the Lord's Prayer and em- end up memorizing that because mm-hmm. it goes through it, you know, part by part. And one of the nice things about the New City Catechism is that it also points out that the Apostles' Creed itself is something worth memorizing. Now, we in our liturgy don't include the Apostles' Creed regularly. Mm -hmm. I've been to churches where it has been, and because it's featured every week and it's recited every week, Mm -hmm. I've memorized it. Because we don't include it regularly in in our liturgy, it behooves parents to (laughs) 
kind of go a little bit extracurricular here mm. and memorize it with their kids. And, right. and that this might be a good thing to put in your rotation of things that if you're, if you're memorizing books of the Bible, for example, or if you're memorizing memory verses, definitely one of the things that you should add to that repertoire should be the Apostles' Creed because the Apostles' Creed, early, early, early creed, mm-hmm. but established pretty decisively some key points of what the Bible was about and what the Bible preached that were important. Most particularly, what was established in the Nicene Creed, the Trinity, Mm -hmm. right? So the Trinity is really a prominent feature of the Apostles' Creed, that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and that they have different roles, but they are all God and it delineates those roles pretty nicely and succinctly. It goes into detail in, in particular about Jesus Christ and why he was special as a savior mm-hmm. and uh, what he accomplished through his ministry and his sacrifice and his resurrection. And then really quickly, it also kind of goes through the effects and aftermath of that mm-hmm. with the establishment of the church and the community that we now have as as members of his body. So to hear that and affirm that either by yourself or as is, as often happens as a whole church is uh, I think a really useful practice and yeah. a really edifying one. And there are maybe a few things in here that for a younger audience that might need a little bit of clarification. Mm-hmm. Two that immediately come to mind is talking about when it talks about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Church Universal, not the Roman Catholic Church. Right. But we're talking about the Church globally around the world. Right. Yeah. And so that we're not talking just about our our local Church, but we're talking about all Christians throughout history, throughout the world that Christ established mm-hmm. uh, through His sacrifice. And then the other, you know, point that. I don't think we have time to go into here is this notion of Christ descending into hell, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which kind of always been sort of a theological sort of, I don't know if, if it rises to controversy, mm-hmm. but it is something that people have had disagreements about. Right. There's been lots and lots of discussion about what exactly has happened after the cross and after after Jesus died physically on the, on the and cross. And that could be a, an episode, that could, future episode. That could certainly be a whole episode. We could do that. The Apostles' <laughs> Creed, and we'll break it down. Yeah, and, yeah we, we could. Yeah. yeah, 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 we could. That's That'd be actually pretty fun. But I think it suffices to say, and you can you can help me on this, Mark, that we, I think in general, the consensus or a majority opinion is not that Christ physically went down to hell, mm-hmm. but that he suffered hell in the sense that he was separated from his right, and yeah. endured the worst kind of agony, mm-hmm. suffering, punishment right. as a result of his sacrifices. Not that he goes into Hades mm-hmm. and then like has to fight out all the demons. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, I don't think that's what's indicated here, but that he went through a personal hell. Right. In a more metaphoric sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you can think of the place, 
hell. Right. Or you can think of, well, what is hell but separation from God? Right. It's a spirit. It's talking about a spiritual reality, right. not a uh, geographic reality. Right. Yeah. And I, I think you, you nuanced that well, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, again, a calling out to the Lord that he will help you. He will hear you and that he will show his mercy on you. If you are coming to someone who is mighty, then you make yourself smaller so that they might show mercy to you. We're returning to a theme of spiritual disciplines. We've talked about reading the Bible. We've talked about prayer. The topic that we're talking about this week, fasting, is actually a little bit less mainstream. I, I wouldn't say obscure, but it's not a spiritual discipline that's practiced with a great deal of regularity. It's sort of, I guess, almost seen as a specialty hmm. spiritual discipline. In this discussion today, we can kind of touch on certain things, but I think mainly it will probably be off of our own kind of experiences and, and what we might say is the more the majority position within our own denomination. Mm. I think the best answers that you can get is just when you look in the Bible, mm. right? Look in the Bible, and there are different instances where they have instructions on how you ought to fast or what the fasting should look like. Mm. And then it it does give you insight into when you should do it as well. Mm. Now, it's never done to celebrate something, mm. right? So it's not celebratory in any way. Mm. So it's not like, you know, for instance, there was a great victory over the enemy and there was a triumph and then everyone rejoiced and fasted. That's never the case, right? <laughs> Whenever there's victory, it's always, there's a feast. Mm -hmm. It's always a feast. Mm -hmm. And even when we kind of look at Revelation mm -hmm. and you would say it might be the ultimate victory in which Christ comes and brings his bride home, it talks about this great wedding feast. Mm -hmm. Again, so victory feasting. Mm. And so what would be the opposite, mm. right? So oftentimes it's in defeat mm. or it's when things are really bad. Mm. That's where you see fasting. When you see grief or maybe a need for repentance. Right. Yeah. And it could be on a national level. So when you look at the prophets, oftentimes they will fast. Mm. And it's a, a symbol of sorts of how what the people should be doing too. Mm. But because they know that they need help, mm. they know ahead of time what's going to happen if the people continue down this path of rebellion, disobedience. And so they kind of, they fast and call people to fast as well. Yeah, fasting is a kind of interruption. I mean, if you think about it, abstaining from eating is an unnatural act. Right. It's not really part of the created order. You can't mm -hmm. really think of fasting as part of God's original good design. Right. But it's sort of a way of it's sort of a way of putting a hard reset on things almost. Mm, yeah. It's almost a way of 
interrupting your life's pattern to sort of rethink it in some way. Right. It's almost acknowledging that that the flow of life has sort of led you in in a wrong direction. Mm, yeah. You are purposefully disrupting what you might call bounty or an overindulgence of things. Mm. And you say, I'm going to refrain from these things mm. so that I can clear my head mm. or even on a spiritual level, mm. clear your head. You are refraining from this food that naturally nourishes you, naturally gives you energy, but because of the way that you've been living, you have not been living towards the Lord. Mm. And so you are artificially putting yourself into a suffering, so to speak, mm. so that not only are you physically hungry, mm. but maybe you become spiritually hungry for the Lord as well. Mm. So there's, you know, it could be some relation to that. You know, the, the prevalence even of secular fasting mm -hmm. really belies how indulgent our culture often is right that we are sort of recognizing that hey we live pretty privileged lives and we're <laughs> we're kind of we protect ourselves and indulge ourselves and distract ourselves from suffering yeah and we're kind of out of touch of the depravity and poverty that's out there in the world mm -hmm. in some ways we're Part of our sinfulness is that we we have so many layers of distance from that. Mm -hmm. Fasting kind of again, it's it's that I like how you said that it's it's you're voluntarily entering into suffering mm -hmm. in order to be more in touch with it and to replace and rethink your position in relation to God. Right. It's like a reorientation. Yeah, a reorientation. Um, I would say fasting is often very closely related to repenting, mm. right? So like you are fasting, and in the fasting process, you're probably also repenting. Mm. So repentance and fasting are probably happening simultaneously. Mm. And it's kind of, again, a calling out to the Lord that he will help you, he will hear you, and that he would show his mercy on you. If you are coming to someone who is mighty, mm. then you make yourself smaller so that they might show mercy to you. I mean, this is kind of what you see in the animal kingdom, right? Mm. When there is the alpha, and then if you are a beta or you're below them, you make yourself lower than right. them. Right. Purposefully, you, you shrink. Yeah, you submit yourself to them so that when they look at you, they won't attack you. They're like, oh, okay. And so it's it's almost like that too, mm. that we are making ourselves purposefully smaller and weaker, mm. and it highlights all the more how mighty God actually is in this process. Yeah. It's a humbling experience. You become self-aware that you need to humble yourself in order to come before God. And it's this recognition of who you are and who God is. And fasting is kind of this vehicle that helps you through that process. Yeah, it, it has a symbolic power. It also has certain physiological powers too, in mm -hmm. the sense that oftentimes, I mean, you can repent without fasting. Right, yeah. But something about adding fasting to repentance right. sort of takes it to another level. Yeah. You're a little bit more focused. You're mm -hmm. a little bit more 
committed, a little bit more dedicated, a little bit less distracted. Right. You know, when you're sort of adding this extra oomph right. to that process of submission, repentance, you know, solicitation. Right. Yeah. It shows the seriousness of what you are committing yourself to. Mm-hmm. And again, like fasting could be for a day, it could be for a period of time. There is no there's no gold standard in which when you fast, this is how long you should be fasting. Mm-hmm. It's usually, I think that's usually just left up to the individual. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's more wisdom in why you're doing it. Respite night in May 26th. VBS July 24th through the 28th. For this one, registration will be opening up soon, but we also need volunteers as teachers. Mm. So if you are interested in volunteering as one of our teachers through VBS, there is an added benefit. If you have children, they can attend for free. Mm. But in addition to that, if anyone would like to invite their neighbors or anyone else, particularly those who may not be believers, those guests are able to attend VBS for free as well. So if you're interested, again, in either volunteering or inviting someone to VBS, contact me and I will send you a promo code that will allow you to register for free. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next announcement again is in August we'll be having this open house and hopefully it's going to be an annual event that we do every year right before the new school year begins but also right before we have our promotion Sunday mm-hmm. and so it again it will feel a lot more kind of like school where you'll have a definitive end to a school year and then you'll have a beginning Although during the summer, your kids are going to still attend the children's ministry like normal. But once Promotion Sunday hits, they will then transition into the next grade. And so that's why with VBS, I wanted it to keep it that way. So if you're in that grade, you stay there until Promotion Sunday. And so it just kind of carries through. You do have to be careful because of this, this aspect of taking control of your eating mm. and you're saying this is how serious i am mm. you could almost then start to use fasting as a cudgel mm. saying god i'm doing this mm-hmm. so you have to help me mm. you have to listen to me so that legalism sneaking in again right and it's it's interesting right because almost everything that we do mm-hmm. it all it kind of circles back to this self-salvation some way where we try to take control or we try to control god and fasting can become like that i remember i didn't fast a ton in my life but i do remember several different times where i did Mm. when i was a part of you know youth ministry they're like you should fast because we're about to do something so it's usually you know we went to a missions trip or we did something they wanted you to fast right Mm -hmm. before it Mm -hmm. but i remember with for me it was i was done with graduate school, I was done with undergrad, Mm -hmm. and this is, I finished grad school right when we went into a recession Mm -hmm. back in uh, 08, and uh, economy was not doing well, jobs were not abundant, and it was a real struggle, Mm. and I remember after a while, I I just felt lost, Mm. And, and I realized that I had 
fallen way far away from the Lord. Mm. And I remember thinking, I need to get back mm -hmm. on track and I'm going to fast. Yeah. And so or, it's almost like a, like a drastic measure. Right. It's sort of, it's sort of like, I don't know. Doing something a little bit more serious than normal, yeah, in order to kind of really get that engine going, right, <laughs> or something. Right. But then here comes that part that I had mentioned uh. before, and this is again shows my own immaturity at the moment. But I, I said to myself, you know what? I'm not gonna have a time frame for this fasting. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna continue to fast mm -hmm. until the Lord gives me the answer. To whatever I'm asking. Okay. And it was just, I wanted the Lord to tell me uh -huh. what I needed to be doing. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's just every graduate's <laughs> kind of prayer. Like, where do you want me to be? What do you, what do you want me to do? And I remember mm. planning for this. And uh, and I even looked it up. I researched it. And like, how do you fast for a really long time? <laughs> and they're like, well, you can't, you really can't just be on water. You will you will die, and so they're like, you need to at least take in some kind of broth or something. And I was like, okay, and I bought a whole bunch of broth, and I fasted. And I remember in my mind, this is what I thought: Lord, I'm gonna fast until you give me an answer. And if you don't give me an answer, I guess I'll just die. <laughs> so unless you want me to die, you should give me an answer. Yeah, and so wow. again, it's that way of. Take trying to control the Lord, mm. trying to almost threaten Him, right? Mm. And and that's something that even little kids will do. Like I'm not going to eat until you yeah. give me my way, right? <laughs> right, right. Go on hunger strike, right? And it's something <laughs> like that. And so, again, fasting can be very good. Yeah. It can be very good for you spiritually. And even though in that example that I gave, it wasn't the right way to do it, but I mean. The Lord did still speak to me. Oh yeah, but it wasn't what I wanted, uh, and it wasn't what I was expecting. Well, how, tell me, how did it turn out? What was that experience like? I made it seven days. Wow! And again, I I wouldn't recommend how I did it, but yeah, I just I drank water because it didn't. They said you should start doing broth like if you are several weeks in. Okay. But because I was just one weekend, I just did water. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, I just conducted myself like normal. And usually at that time, I was working at a hospital. So I had these, you know, three 12-hour shifts. And then I'll be off, mm. you know, for several days. I would I'll go to the gym every day. And I'll play basketball and work out every day. And I continued to do that while fasting. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it wasn't really that great, but... Mm -hmm my body started to adjust. And it was what was interesting was near the end, a thought crossed my mind of, I don't think I need to eat again. Like my body <laughs> feels great. Like I don't, in the beginning, the first two or three days were yeah. really hard. Yeah, but yeah. afterwards, I think my body just was like, you know what? We're adjusting. We're making this work. But also, again, through, through that process, again, I was looking for a specific answer as in like, I wanted God to tell me, mm -hmm. like, you know, I think everyone wants like this audible voice. Right, you want the vision. Right, like the, the Moses and the burning bush or something <laughs> like that of God just telling me, Mark, I want you to go here and do this job. Right. And I'll make it happen. That's what I wanted. Right, right. And for a week, I prayed that and I was asking and then nothing. Mm. But then it was probably 
it was probably around day two or day three mm. where, again, the way that I did it wasn't great. One of the things that I did while fasting was instead of eating, I read scripture mm. and I prayed. Mm. And so breakfast, lunch, and dinner, instead of eating meals, mm. I just sat down in my with my Bible and I read and prayed for a duration of what a meal would normally take. Mm. And so I was I spent a lot of time praying and a lot of time in scripture mm. because of that. And I remember day two or day three, I don't quite remember. I remember just being very convicted of this one thought and it was just repetitive, but it was this thought of, I need to know God before I ask him for anything. Mm. I need to know him. Mm. The, 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 the way that it can't kind of developed was, well, if God were to speak to me, but I did not recognize his voice, then I wouldn't even know that it was him that was speaking to mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. So it would would be, you know, useless mm -hmm. for God to speak to me if I didn't recognize that that was him. And, and so mm -hmm. for me, it was more conviction of how do I get to know the Lord? Mm -hmm. And that means spend time with him in the word, spend time with him in prayer and I just continued to do that after the fasting. You know, what that tells me is that even if you do it imperfectly, right? you know, God might still be able to use. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is God uses our brokenness yeah. and he uses the imperfections that we have to yeah. still bring about his glory. many instances, especially today, if we're understanding fasting, it's usually in reference to food. And so you're refraining from eating because eating is giving you energy and eating is giving you life. Mm. But when we think about some of the other things that are in our lives that might have become idols mm. or things that call our attention more than God, mm. Oftentimes, you can refrain from those things or fast from those things as well. Mm. And it might do something very similar for your spirit as, you know, fasting from food would. And I think it would function in the same way. Mm -hmm. So if you follow the liturgical calendar, some people use the occasion of Lent right. as an opportunity to fast. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes fast in the way that you're suggesting where they pick something that's, that's not necessarily food. Yeah. Or meat, but maybe it's um, screen time. Right. Or maybe it's um, refraining from online shopping. And, you know, to an extent, it could, it could be a little silly, I think. Mm -hmm. But if it is something, as you said, if it's, if it's something that you feel has kind of gotten a hold on you and is in some ways maybe enslaved you even... Mm -hmm. It has come to your attention that this is this is something that's occupying way too much real estate mm -hmm. on your attention or on your desire or on your habits to take a deliberate break from that. You know, that, that can be valid. That can mm. be tough actually. Right. And yeah. So I, I do I do consider those to be fasts as well. I've got a story about doing fasting really poorly. Mm -hmm. And it involves food when I was in high school. So our family had 
a regular tradition of fasting over Easter, over the Easter holiday, Easter Sunday. And, and actually, my grandmother continues to fast once a week, one day of the weekend. Mm. She's done that for years now. And that's just part of her regular spiritual practice to take mm. one day with no food. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever interviewed her about what that does for her mm-hmm. but there's a there's a part of me that really deeply admires that mm-hmm. that she's sort of incorporated that as part of her spiritual disciplines but as i was saying our family tradition has been you know try to fast during easter mm-hmm. and i decided one year in high school that i was going to go further mm-hmm. and do more than one day i think i went for like four days maybe mm-hmm. right and did it absolutely wrong. Every wrong possible way I could have done it, mm-hmm. I did. And maybe people can learn from my negative example <laughs> because I really did it the worst possible way. So for one, I didn't really prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And so it killed me. Secondly, I complained throughout the entire time. Mm. Thirdly, I told every single person around me uh, about yeah. it, right? I really like made it almost a point of spiritual pride and suffering. Right. Right. Where I would tell everyone, oh man, I've been fasting Mm. and it's killing me. And oh my gosh, it's so hard. And I would use it as an excuse to to be lazy, Mm. you know, to like skip homework, to use my low energy as a way to indulge myself, Mm. you know. And I was kind of, Again, I was using this sort of tactic as a pity party for myself. I wasn't praying or reading the <laughs> Bible during it because right. I was too distracted by my hunger. Yeah. And everybody thought I was, you know, being so spiritual about it. And really, it was probably the least spiritual I've ever mm. been, I think. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I would say don't fast that way. Yeah. I think <laughs> I don't think anything good ever came yeah, of that. <laughs> but what you were mentioning, I think it's it's very interesting because I've had similar experiences too. And I'm sure people who are listening that if you've fasted, you might share the same kind of experiences. But it's it's where you just this is all I'll do. Yeah. Is my fasting is just me not eating. Yeah. And then I'll go about my day like normal. But when we, again, think about... And again, my, my fasting had no purpose to it. Mm. There wasn't real any real reason why, right. other than I was trying to... Ch- I mm. mean, I do think that at that point in my life, there was some sort of spiritual vacuum. There mm. was some sort of like feeling that there was something that I that was missing spiritually from my my life mm. but it was very it, it was very inchoate it was very vague mm. i didn't really have any purpose to fasting other than this general angsty feeling that i was yeah. having at the time but yeah we pray our discussion was edifying to you and we'd love to hear any feedback mark's email is mark at newcityva.org Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, 
watch those windows.